Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, precious mom, and I am so glad that you're here. Welcome to the show. And I'm hearing from so many of you that it's really, really tough right now. And it makes so much sense with what we've been experiencing over the last year. And many of you listening are dealing with kids that are struggling with depression and anxiety and lack of motivation, and they're walled off in the rooms, isolating, and you have no idea what to do to support them. And I just want you to know you're not alone, and this is what we are going to dive into in today's interview. My guest is Casey Arorty, and she is the host of the popular podcast, Joyful Courage. She's also a positive discipline trainer and a parent coach. And in this episode, Casey vulnerably shares her experience as a mom with a daughter that sunk into a crippling mental health crisis. And she talks about her own journey through the pain and the powerlessness that she felt as a mom as she sought to support her daughter. Casey also shares in this interview her own deep personal work in the midst of this crisis and what helped her and her daughter to eventually find healing. I'm really looking forward to you listening and gleaming so much wisdom and insight from what Casey has to share. Hi, Casey, and I am so happy that you're here and grateful that you are coming on the show today. So welcome. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and to share my story with your people. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited too. I love your podcast and you are vulnerable, you're transparent, you're real. You talk about the struggles and the challenges and we need to hear what you have to share today. And I know this is going to be really meaningful, you sharing your story with our listeners today. So before we get into your story, I just want to start with how, and you can certainly share your story in this question, but how did you start doing what you're doing? Well, 
That is a great question. So I was a school teacher a million years ago, a lifetime ago. And when I became pregnant with my first child, um, I was able to do both, you know, do the mom thing and teach. And I actually uh, was able to create a position for myself in the tiny little mountain school that I taught at where I got to bring my baby with me. And that was really sweet. It was very sweet. And I soon realized that I couldn't be the mom and the teacher at the same time and do either of those things very well. So um, I ended up leaving the classroom and being home with my daughter and we moved. I had a second child. And it's funny, we go into parenting, anyone out there that has been a school teacher and who, or any kind of helper, I think, like maybe a therapist or a counselor. And then you get pregnant and you think, or at least I thought like, this probably isn't going to be that hard for me because (laughs) I'm an expert (laughs) so much. Oh my gosh. And, you know, and then we have them. And for the most part at the beginning, as long as my baby was in the sling and had full access to my boobs, it was pretty easy. I was killing it. Right. Looking back, I realized like I was a slave to that baby. Right. But I was also okay with it. So it didn't create conflict. So it didn't feel like conflict. Uh, So then we have our second baby. And that is really when all the parenting got really tough for me. It's when, you know, because it increased your increased stress, increased overwhelm. And that's what kind of broke me open for the conditioning that I was raised with to say, surprise. We're here, you know, we know how to handle this stress and it's by becoming a crazy person and screaming and yelling at everyone. So I knew that, and mind you, i had also, when I left the classroom, I went into parent education because, you know, I was so good at it (laughs) (laughs) with my baby who never left the sling or my boob. Um, And so, and, and there was some work that I had done in the classroom that I, ended up doing their parenting program um, and started teaching it at the preschool that my daughter went to. And, and that was great. But there was something about the program that kind of started to rub me the wrong way. And I'm a total lifelong learner. And so I looked into other programs and a really good friend of mine was a super diehard positive discipline person. And she was like, this is where it's at. You need to check this out. Looked it up online. There was a training happening an hour away from me in like two weeks time. And I went to that training. It was a weekend training and I never looked back. I mean, I started practicing the principles of positive discipline imperfectly and it immediately made a huge difference in the dynamic that was happening between me and my daughter, um, which was the contentious relationship as my son went from baby to toddler to preschooler. Um, I really had a hard time with her. and. And it just felt so good. Like I had to put that other program. I was just like, I'm not going to touch this anymore. Positive discipline's where it's at. And I started teaching it in my community, started blogging about using it with my family because people were like, yeah, well, what does it really look like? And so I, that's when I really started telling (laughs) the down and dirty truth, which is like, no, I'm not just because I teach this doesn't mean I've mastered it. I am a mess. It's a shit show. And I'm still committed to moving in this direction. I'm committed to the idea, which positive discipline is founded on that 
human behavior is motivated by our perception of belonging and significance. And so that's really understanding and learning that was what helped me kind of move away from the behaviorist theory that most of us were raised with around like the right rewards and the right punishment and they'll do the right thing into a, a just a much deeper, more respectful way of being with my kids. So, you know, and then fast forward into, and I was jamming on that and w- working at the Y and doing my blog. And then the teen years hit and I was like, I'm have I been duped? <laughs> I just had no footing, you know, everything felt different. Positive discipline didn't, I, I I felt like I had no tools and, um, and I was so taken by surprise, even though I have dear and wonderful friends with kids older than mine, one of which is a positive discipline lead trainer. I'd run into her and her daughter was a couple of years ahead of mine. And I would say, how are you? And she always had tears in her eyes. She always had was on the verge of tears. And I remember feeling like, I don't think that's going to be my situation. <laughs> like this, you know, I think I'm good. Like, I don't know. Love this woman to death. And she's a very skilled, amazing human. And yet I still had this sense of like, I think, but I think we're going to be okay. And then freshman year hit, and it was it was a nightmare. And I my daughter was angry and um gravitating towards, you know, really troubled kids, becoming a troubled kid, experimenting, you know, the vaping and the weed and all the things that I expected for the, you know, inside the container of high school. I didn't expect it first semester of freshman year. Right. And so, but was really, what was really discouraging though, was just how uh, emotionally dysregulated she was and how clearly unhappy and disconnected she was. That's really what was the hardest piece of that. And then I looked for resources and I couldn't find them. Yeah, You know, I couldn't find the resources that I wanted that still aligned with this idea of belonging and significance, but also spoke into the teen years. And so I was like, well, I got to create this. I got to create this. And so the first thing I did is I um, gathered up, I went to my positive discipline community and I invited, I put it out there to all the trainers you know, I'm looking for people to come on. I'm going to interview you about different hot topics of the teen years, and I'm going to create this summit, but I only want you to sign up if you had a tough time with your teenager. If you don't have a teenager yet, you don't get to be a part of this. Yeah, yeah. And if you breezed through the teen years, I love you. Congratulations. But that's not the conversation that I want to have. I want to know about the struggle And what you did to support yourself through moving through it. And so that was the first summit that I did. Um, 20, I think that was in 2019 or 2018. And then I've done many summits, um, since then every quarter for parents of teens and, you know, and then we'll get into my story with my particular teen, but it's been super rewarding to hold space for parents who have kids in middle school and high school, because, it's such a crazy dynamic yes. and it's, there's no formula, you know, I feel like the early years and, and, and school age, like on some levels you can get resources that are just do this and it will help. But, and sometimes that's useful for some of us, but man, the teen years, it's like. Everything no. goes out the window. Yeah. And there's I, no formula. I, we have a lot of similarities about our 
our experiences, and I relate to so much of what you say. And I love Adlerian psychology and and going for like, what are their deeper needs? But it's hard to know when, what their deeper needs are and get to the bottom of it when they are like, get away from me. Yeah. And they're resistant and they're getting involved in risky behavior. And then everything that you felt like worked when they were little, they don't even want to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's painful. Yes. And we both went through that and you went through the depression that Mm -hmm. your daughter had and the anxiety Mm -hmm. that she was experiencing. And she's come out now and just was on your come out on the other side. Is that safe to say that she's come out on the other side? I mean, never really in a new place. Yes. We'll just say that. Okay. (laughs) And it feels way way better. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You're in a new place. And I'm going to share because you had her on your show and Mm -hmm. I was so blown away by how open and honest and she's 18 or is she 19? Yeah. She just turned 18 in January. And how insightful and she could articulate her experience so well. And I want the listeners to listen to it because the way that you modeled listening to her and talked about your experience and what was helpful. And she was expressing what was helpful, what was not helpful. So I'm going to recommend that highly for people to listen to. I want to hear from you when, so what happened? Like, when did you start saying that she had these signs of anxiety and depression? Was it high school? Was it earlier? What happened? Well, you know, she, I think that looking, you know, looking back, right. Looking back, there were plenty of indicators that she was wired anxious. Um, and we, you know, she in middle school or in a elementary school, she had a lot of tools and ways to mask it. And at the start of the school year, she'd always develop some funny little tick. Like early on, there were funny little things that she would do. Like at one point she would snap in her ears. She'd just be talking and then she'd snap by her ears, but not so much that it would be like, whoa that kid's weird, but like, just, it would just kind of be around the table. Like, that's funny that you do that. Do you know you do that? And she's like, what are you talking about? So there's little things like that. Um, and like I said, never wanted to get out of the sling, even as a baby, you know, something in the environment would change and she would immediately want to nurse. Like nursing was so much bigger than nutrition for her. And again, I was okay with it. I was here for it. Um, so there were indicators, but we were not tuned in. And then middle school still felt pretty like she was, there was some, there was some perfectionism that showed up with school. Like she had to have straight A's and, and she was playing really um, super competitive volleyball in middle school. And I, I could see what I didn't realize, what I felt like was her being super rude to me at tournaments and stuff. I realize now looking back that she was on high alert and Mm -hmm. that she was incredibly uncomfortable and, and that, you know, I mean, any of us in our most high stress are not the kindest to the people around us. And so I could see looking back, I started to make those connections. And then, yeah, I mean, freshman year, you know, and the other thing about my daughter is she's beautiful. And the last thing she wants is any attention. And yet, I mean, she's like a magnet to people. It's so, we were just talking about it last night. It's totally annoying to her. And yet she can't not be noticed. 
And so, um, you know, and then as a 14 year old, it's like, oh, I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. And then falling into a crowd of boys that were just kind of, you know, like fourth generation dirtbags. Cause I liked the bad boys too in high yeah. school, but the bad boys at my high school were like super privileged, you know, yeah. <laughs> rebelling yeah. against their parents. This was like really discouraged, multi-generational, you know, tough, tough kids. And, um, and she could, she spoke it her freshman year. She said, I have depression. I, I want medication. And I remember just being like, like somebody, oh, not you. It was a call I was on earlier today where the mom said, I don't know. I, I don't know if like how much of this is something deeper versus you're 14. It's hard to be 14. Yes. Yes. You know, like let's talk about resiliency. And I was definitely in that place. Plus, like I share on my podcast with her. I was the queen of high school. Like I loved high school. High school was made for me. And so it was very difficult for me to drop into meeting her where she was at because it was such foreign territory. Like I just didn't, I just didn't get it. And so she did a really good job of advocating for herself. Um, even as I took longer than I needed to, to really clue into how, how deep her issues were. So that was freshman year. And she came home from, from after the end, the end of the year and just said, I'm done with public high school. I want to go online, which was, I was like, what is that? Like, is that even really a thing? Like who does that? And, and held out all summer until she was finally like, mom, I am not changing my mind. Like you need to sign me up. And so I did. And she did online school in her 10th grade year. And then we moved, which was prompted by her mostly because I, we were living in a situation where I just figured, well, we'll be here till the kids are done with school. Cause I didn't want to disrupt, you know, I was a little worried about her and starting somewhere new. And, and when she said, "Ugh, why do we live here? Let's go somewhere else. I was like, Oh, hell yeah. I am down with that plan. And then as a family, you know, decided to move and there was a big plan for her, you know, up, we live in Washington state and there's a program called running start where you can do your last two years of high school at the community college and earn your AA. It's a great program and it's a great alternative for kids that are just kind of over the high school experience, which she was. And, you know, she got about a month into it and totally fell apart. And, uh, and at that point completely dropped out of school, which was, wow. wow. Like talk about confronting all of my conditioning and judgments and yeah. So that, and that was about, that was a lot, a year ago, this last fall. And, uh, wow. And we were concerned, well, that was you know, only a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you've come so far. Oh in, my gosh. You know, for a, yeah. a year ago. So yeah. was that like when the bottom, so to speak came out? Yeah. That's when it, that's when we, that was the peak. I mean, it was tough there, freshman, sophomore year, but junior, that first semester of junior year where it just, that was like the, the peak moment of, holy shit, you know, like yeah. I am in over my, like as the mom, I am in over my head. I do not know what to do with this. I did know that was, I, I, I was very pulled to letting her design her experience. It's funny that I say letting her as if 
there's like an alternative, <laughs> the yeah. perceived, the perception of like, and then there are family members of mine who were like, you didn't have to let her drop out. And it was like, well, so paint me a picture of the alternative, right? Like, what does that look like? Um, but you know, there was, it was that trusting, God, it was just this trust of, I have to, I have to let her take the lead here, even though I know, God, at the time she was 16 years old and she has no idea about life and she doesn't know what this will do to her future. And like all those things, there was also something there that was like, I've got to, I have to let her take the lead on this. And I questioned that, like, am I doing that or am I just taking the path of least resistance? Like what's, and I'm still in that conversation, honestly, I'm hopeful that I keep getting, you know, evidence that it was the right move for her, but it's, but I still question, like talk to me in 10 years, Cheryl, and we'll, (laughs) we'll reflect back. (laughs) Well, gosh, I mean, there's so many things that you're, that you're saying. I mean, the letting her and the family, you know, people saying, you just have your kid go to school. What do you mean yeah. you're letting, you know, that you're, you're not making her whatever. It's diff- that's, that's the rub. How, what are Oof. we going to do? You know, that's the hard thing. Are you going to drag her out to the car and exactly. stop her in the car and be fighting her? I think that's, that's the hard thing for us as parents is it gets really messy. Yeah. And then people are telling us or we're saying it to ourselves and we think it should look one way, but it's not looking the way that, you know, you're trying to help her, like empower her by what do you need here? And okay, I'm willing to listen to you, but then you let that happen. You know, you let her do that. However, we want to say it. Yeah. And um, it happens. (laughs) Yeah. And then she crashed and burned and, you know, and then, yeah. I mean, and I say that in the most respectful way. I don't, it's just like, it didn't work. But you but, let her try that. Well, but it's interesting because once I let it go and then, so that was like October of 2019. That's, this is the timeline. October, 2019, she's just peaked out in anxiety and mental health challenges and drops out. And then for, and then it, you know, we were concerned about her eating habits Uh, I got her a counselor who wasn't that great. Um, everybody's got a wait list. I don't know how it is around where you live, but you try to find good mental health care for teenagers and it's nearly impossible. Everybody's got a wait list. So we get on the wait lists and then we just make do. And then I had to really be okay with many months of her from the outside looking in doing nothing. What was that like for you? It was torture. Watching that. It was torture. It was torture. And I, I, you know, I'm super grateful for a couple key people in my life who would remind me things like she's doing, you have no idea the hard work that she's doing, right? It looks from the outside looking in, it's like, she's in her room all the time and binge watching Netflix. And, but you know, she was staying alive. Yeah. She was navigating, you know, the, the headspace that she was in navigating us, me, I'm not easy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, it's not like I just was like, okay, have fun with that. I mean, I was pretty consistently 
like, Hey, so, you know, and at one point I printed out this big, my, my therapist, I was going to therapy. Thank God. I love my therapist, Mark. Oh my gosh. Hallelujah for Mark. He was really supportive. And he also would challenge me when I was sitting inside of like, what? She's not doing anything. Like this is a huge mistake. He was also someone who would challenge my thinking around that in a really powerful way. And you know, I came up with this big contract that had way too many details, thinking that that was going to kind of support giving her a container to live inside of. And it was totally overwhelming and she, and it was not useful at all. You know, I wasn't passive and I was also learning, slowly learning like how I could be with her in a way that we could maintain connection. Cause that's, I'm not interested in screaming and yelling at my kids. I mean, I want to be the soft landing for them. And that required me to do my own work around why I was freaking out and to really practice what I preach, which is Mm -hmm. deep listening and validating and, you know, not expecting her to take care of my emotional experience. And then finally we got into um, a program that we did together that was really pivotal to our experience. We got into a uh, DBT parent teen program, dialectic behavioral therapy. Wow. And that was, that was a game changer, but it was very hard. This well, time last year was tough. Wow. So oh, you said something that I want to, I just want to pause, um, about managing your own anxiety through that whole process. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that is really where it's at. It's so tough. Can you think about what were you telling yourself? It's like you were trying a lot of different things and you're really trying to check in on her so that Mm -hmm. that's good. And it's like that whole thing of when do we step in? Mm -hmm. When do we step out? And what your therapist was saying to you, when you think about that and managing your own anxiety, what did you do that was helpful? I took a lot of long walks. And I used the memo app on my phone and I would just talk and and record myself talking about the experience that I was having and all the things that were alive in my head, I would just record. Um, I have a couple of family members that were my speed dial family members who were really good at just letting me be inside of all of my worries and fears without trying to fix it. Um, And I have a couple, like, I mean, you probably have this too, being coaches. Like Mm -hmm. I have a lot of coaches in my circle. Not, not all of them did I want to talk to about this, but there were a couple of people in my life that are just really skilled at holding space for where I'm at. Um, But yeah, the internal diet, I just had to, I just really had to lean into trusting that there was something bigger happening Like that year, the three years are just threads of a much bigger tapestry that is my life and is her life. And um, I mean, we have the privilege in our family. We're, you know, we have a lot of privilege. There's not a lot of adversity for my, my family. And so on one hand, what a powerful opportunity for her to really step into taking care of herself and coping and like just kind of looking at it from 
the lens of how is this like, I, I just believe in purpose. I don't think that things are random. And yeah. so if that's true, then that is also true for her. And so when I could remember that, then I, that would help me kind of calm down and remembering that things are temporary, which is very hard to remember when things feel so like mm-hmm. tender control. and raw. Yeah. So I mean, I can't really pinpoint that's, it was just, and it was taking it day by day. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have an inner dialogue going on about if I don't check on her, if I don't do this, that something might happen? Like, did you, and you know, was there, she wasn't a, she did, she wasn't a cutter and she wasn't suicidal. There were a couple of times where I would walk into her room and just really make that eye contact. And I would say, should I be worried about you hurting yourself? And there always was something between us where, I mean, she's a great liar. She's like the queen of, she can get away. I mean, it's sometimes she kills me because she just likes to play around with me and see what I'll believe. Not so much anymore, but it's kind of a joke. But at that time, you know, and the years prior, like she really owned her skills. But when she would look at me and say, I'm okay, I just need you to leave me alone. Like I really could trust that. I didn't feel like, I mean, the eating thing was the scariest thing for us and not knowing, you know, and then I started learning more about disordered eating and eating disorders. And then I was really freaking out because I don't know how much you know about that, but it is not the after school specials that we watched in the eighties. Like it is complicated. Oh yeah. So Yeah, but we've, that's not really an issue at all anymore, but that was, that was a really scary piece of the puzzle too. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I worried about her. I worried about her future and cause I just want my, like when, what keeps me up at night is just wanting to know that my kids understand that they get to design their life, you know, like that's the, that's the biggest thing that I want them to leave this house knowing. And, um, and that a year ago, that was not where she was. Like it was very much life happening to her and it broke my heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very painful to watch your kids suffering and to feel powerless is to know what to do. Yeah. 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 So you got her into that DBT and you joined her in that. Yeah. Yeah. So DBT When you can find a program that's done with Fidelity, it's designed to have, for teens, it's designed to have a parent-child workshop that's like a group therapy. And then the the teen has their own therapist. And Rowan scored the lottery as far as therapists go. Her therapist is fantastic. And they're really connected and we love her. And then the DBT, so the DBT program started, there was five five or six parent-child couples And I had, I mean, I'm like, I love therapists. I love personal work, like personal development. So I was just like, oh yeah, this is my jam. And I loved the other parents. And, you know, it took a while for my daughter to warm up. I was actually surprised when I broke the news that we're going to do this thing and we're going to do it for six months. I thought for sure she's going to be like, I'm not doing that for six months, but I just kind of presented it and held my breath. And she was like, okay. And we started doing that and it was so useful. And it also correlated with a time 
where, you know, side note (laughs) on the life over here, you know, this last year, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. And so when we got that diagnosis, I mean, it was within weeks, like one or two weeks that Roan and I started in that program. It couldn't have been better timed, even as I was discouraged when, because we were on the wait list for like four or five months, but it was the perfect time for both of us, you know, for both of us. So that was super useful. So many tools. DBT is all about tools and mindfulness, interpersonal relationship tools, um, radical acceptance, gratitude. Like it's all the yummy things that I love. Um, packaged in a way that's just so supportive of both parents and kids. Like never did it feel like, like I was there as an equal student, you know what I mean? Like, which is fabulous. Yeah. Cause so much I, it's just like, I'm going to fix my kid and then everything will be good. Right. But well, and I knew, yeah, 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 yeah. And I knew that that wasn't, (laughs) I'm well aware of what I bring to the relationship, Cheryl. So even with everything that I know, and I mean, I've been in transformation work for the, you know, for the last six or seven years doing my own stuff and there's just no like end point. And so I think it was, I'm grateful to have stepped into that experience with her with that mindset. It wasn't like, oh, maybe I'm contributing. Like I went in knowing that I had a part to play and, um, and it was just, I think it was. You know, I think it was powerful for her to hear from other kids because she was pretty isolated at the time, even though it was, you know, COVID. So we were online, but just hearing other kids experiences who were also struggling and um, it was really powerful, especially once she kind of started to open up and it was really, really a fabulous experience. The power of knowing you're not alone. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that other people are going through these things. Yeah. I want to just touch on radical acceptance because I think that that is so important and your path with Rowan, her path, it, it took, it, it looked different than, than what other kids experience supposedly, right. Then it's like your high school experience, right. She wasn't loving it. You know, that was your, you were like in your element and you have this kid that's so different, which was my experience too. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Like, why, why, you know, why are you having trouble here? You know, why isn't this fun for you? (laughs) You know, can't you snap out of it? You know, what's going on? And, and then my daughter, that um, was the reason that I got into this and now she's 30, but, um, and I realized, man, when she was a tween, I need to start working on myself and, Mm -hmm. This isn't about her. This is really about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but her past, she went to college and then she ended up dropping out mm-hmm. and she got help. And then she went back about a year and a half later. And it doesn't always take the path that we think it's going to take. Yeah. And there's no right path. That there's was that was the conditioning that was really intense for me because I come from a family where education is at the top of the list as far as like value and everybody's got multiple degrees and I got paid for grades and everybody wants goes to college and graduate school, you know, and so even though so much of where and how I was raised, I've kind of shrugged off in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Here I was like confronted by how, 
how alternative are you, Case? Like, how willing are you to be an open-minded parent who's ready to embrace however this looks? And, you know, to her credit, she also has, last September, she completed her GED. And in April, she's going to esthetician school here locally and, you know, talks about, you know, she has goals and she is looking into the future and knows that she can do what, whatever she wants, that she can create her life. And it's just, you know, I wonder like what could have been had I stood in the way and said, no, you can't do this. Like the, the, like I, I can't even wrap my head around any other timeline for her had we not been, I don't want to use the word allowing, but like just really like the urgency that we think is exists in these teen years, like on one hand, yes, their brain is in development and there is a timeline on brain development and we want them to be healthy and safe. And, but I feel like maybe we're attached to this urgency that is, you know, for some of our kids, it's stifling. Like she needed four or five months of totally checking out and being able to just exist to come to the place of being able to do the DBT program with me. And she completed her GED before we finished the program. So she was able to share that with the group and the celebration was just so sweet. You know, I mean, and it's so hard when you're in it, like to really like feel confident in you're doing the right thing as the parent. It's just like an elusive desire. (laughs) Yes. I feel like, yeah, sitting in the pain, like you had to literally sit in that what you were feeling and she was too. But I think when we think I'm going to do something, at least I'm doing something, but that's not the best thing. Yeah. And completely. Yeah. And it sounds like you held her with that positive regard. Like you most of the time, you know, I mean, you were checking on her, Yeah, but there was a, there was a part of you that was like, okay, she, there's some part of her, she knows what she does need. I mean, would you say, is that correct? Would you say? Yes. I mean, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I think that, and, and, and this is, I think that there were, you know, yes. And when I was able to release the fear and the worry and just really sit without that in a more open centered place, yes. And it is a process to practice releasing the fear and the worry. And it's a willingness, right? Because I think that's the other thing I know that I struggled with too. Like, well, if I'm not in fear and worry, have I just like, am I just like, what's like, there's almost this. Yeah. Yeah. Am I in denial? Exactly. Am I in denial? Like, like there had to be this energy of fear and worry or somehow I wasn't doing the right thing. And so releasing that took practice and it, and it's not just, it took practice and now I'm really good at it. It's a continuous practice. Yes. Right. We don't arrive. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah, exactly. I know. (laughs) Jeez. It is. We get so many opportunities to practice. Yeah. So just as we're getting ready to end, um, how, what are you, could you 
actually say that there's some things that you're grateful for now? Oh, so much. What would you um, all of it, like all of it. I mean, what I've learned about the human spirit um, through my daughter and watching her navigate and and the shift that she made from that really angry, lost 14, 15-year-old into the really, you know, peaked out mental crisis 16-year-old and then seeing her super engaged with our family so funny, so much fun to be around. Like, you know, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for COVID. Sorry, everyone. But (laughs) the gift of my kids being home with, we've spent so much time together and it's not like, get me. I mean, there are moments of get me away from these people, but 90% of the time is just like, we're enjoying each other. We're laughing with each other. We're taking walks. Her, proce- her process, I know, has created an opportunity for me to support parents in a much deeper way than had I not lived through that. I know the pain. Yeah. You know, I know how hard it is. I know that there's no right answer. I know that it's infuriating, you know, all of it. And so I'm really grateful for that. And I, I love that, you know, I've been challenged into this mindset of I don't know the way. I don't know the path for every single person around me. Yeah. You know, I think that, and and it's just. Don't we just wish that, like that there was some path, like just tell yeah. me left or right. Right. You know, and I'll Well, go. and I feel like I do know, which is the funny <laughs> thing. Like, listen to me, Cheryl, I'll tell you exactly what you should do. And <clears throat> that doesn't make me a, a good friend or a good wife or a good coach. And so Rowan's really elevated me <clears throat> in that. And that way of being with people because of her experience. So how has this helped you with your husband and walking through his cancer diagnosis? You know, I, through the practice with Rowan, through the three years ish of her, um, of just being her mom, I learned to take life as it, as it came every day. And it was, it really felt a lot like now looking back, it felt like I was in training for, you know, the worst news ever, which is your spouse has cancer. And I've been able to be with him and be with the whole family from a, from a place of deep acceptance, like radical acceptance, right? Radical acceptance Um, and trust, trusting that this is a part of the tapestry of our life and that there's purpose and we might not know right in this moment what the purpose is, but I completely trust that it there's loads that are going to be revealed, you know, in the years to come and looking back. But I feel really proud of how I've walked alongside of my husband and how I've led the family, you know, through this experience. And I don't know that I would have been as graceful had I not had the boot camp. <laughs> Yeah. Of, you know, of Rowan's experience. So, yeah. So powerful. Do you have any last words that you, you would like to say to the moms that are listening? Do you have any? Oh, mamas. Yeah. Yeah. Just that, you know, we are on, I really believe we're on a collective experience and that we all have our own particular flavors and details. Um, 
and that you are you are not alone you are not alone that there are and and that things are you know this is right now is not forever like really yeah. inviting everybody listening to trust that that you have influence in designing you know what your forever looks like <laughs> but don't get attached <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Radically, right. Because you don't actually know what it's going to look like and just be open, you know, to the unfolding. So yeah. Yeah. Being present with what is in the moment. Yeah. It's not always easy. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. I'm so grateful that we have, I'm getting to know you and you're such a beautiful person and vulnerable and, um, and sharing with us your story and just not, you know, just the humility of that you've been through, you know, thinking I, I know it and then being humbled and then being in that process and still being able to say, I don't really have all the answers, but I can sit with you and be with you through this mm-hmm. and hold that space for you to figure out what your step next step might be or not be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because that's, that's what we need. And um, so I just thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And tell our listeners about, I want you to tell them about your book too, Joyful Courage, your podcast. Where can they find you? You can find me at joyfulcourage.com. That's the name of my business. I'm on Instagram at joyful underscore courage, Facebook at joyful courage, but, and the podcast is called Joyful Courage. Everything's joyful courage in my world. Um, and the podcast is wherever you're listening to Cheryl's podcast, you'll be able to find search for joyful courage, or you can go directly to my website and find it. Yeah. Yeah. And then your book's joyful courage. Oh, right. And my book. Mm -hmm. Yes. Interesting. My book calming the drama and taking control of your parenting journey. I laugh at that title now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Eh, jokes on you reader. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you know what I wondered? I just have to say this, how you were walking and you were speaking into your notes. I'm wondering if you are thinking about <sighs> turning that into a book. Oh, I've got books in me. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We need that one. We need yeah. That I need one. the sequel. And the book that I, the first book that I wrote, it's a very short read. Um, I made the editors make the font as big as possible without it being obnoxious, just so I could break through 120 pages. Um, But I wrote it during my daughter's freshman year. So it was a really interesting um, time for me to be writing it. And I do reflect, you know, we didn't get into like my mom issues, um, but I talk a little bit about that, the healing that has happened inside of my relationship with my mom because of, that's another thing that I'm grateful for because of some of the things that were happening with Rowan. Um, so yeah, it's part memoir, part in part information, part inspiration, um, and a really easy read. And you can find that at Amazon or on my website. It's just okay, wonderful. Much. Well, I'll put those in the links. Yay. Thanks. And we'll have, we'll have you come back again and talk to yes. her because there was so much we didn't cover. Oh, I know so much. And that's only going to continue to unfold. I do have a freshman son. So, you know, there's still content there, I'm sure. (laughs) And having older ones, I I have three older ones now and there's still always content. Yeah. We're always always working on these things. So yeah, for sure. So Uh, thank you, Casey, so much. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. 
Wow, that was a powerful interview, wasn't it? And before we close today, I just really want to speak to the mom out there that's kid is depressed or they're worried that they are depressed and you don't know what to do. And I want you to know that I've been there. I've dealt with a kid that's depressed. And the first thing that you do want to do is you want to initially respond by really listening to them. You want to stay calm, which isn't always easy. And if you're feeling upset before you talk to your child, you want to talk to a close friend or even reach out to me, email me at Cheryl at Moms of Tweens and Teens, and I can talk to you. Uh, You want to be grounded and less reactive when you're talking to your child, just like Casey did, and provide that space for your child to be able to really talk. Now, I know that this isn't always easy and you want to really listen versus offering advice. Now, if you're really worried about your child hurting themselves, you want to ask them if they're thinking about hurting themselves. And if there's any question, you want to take them immediately to get help. Don't wait. If your child is talking about hurting themselves Get them in the car and take them to the emergency room. They have trained staff there that is trained in being able to assess if your child is in that danger zone. So I just want to say that that there are times that we really need to step in and act, other times where we need to sit and be that listening presence. I want you to know that there is an abundance of help available. So if you need any sort of support at all, please reach out to me and I can provide you with resources, guidance, and next steps. It's Cheryl at MomsWithTweensAndTeens.com. And thank you so much for joining me today. I'll see you back here next week. 